Thank you for listening to Sports Unfolded here on Anchor. We want to thank Anchor for everything they've done. It is easy to use, so I suggest everybody get out there and make a podcast, put it on Anchor, and show it to the world. So once again, thank you for watching Sports Unfolded on Anchor. Thank you very much. Hope to hear from you soon. And we're ready. Welcome to Sports Unfolded episode 35. Ron. Oh my God! This this is going to be a big show. This big. Just, I just don't understand anymore how every week we keep getting more and more. The sad part is, Eric. Just today alone, we had to add a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Uh, as, as I'm prepping for the show, I'm like, "Hey, look at this! There's something new." So we'll start off with our leadoff story, and it, it's been a big story, obviously, this week. That would be the gentleman on the screen right now, and I don't know if I'd call him a gentleman anymore. But Love John the Gruden, face. Love the face. Yeah, right. I figured that'd be a good one. John Gruden has decided to step down as the head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders after emails were leaked of him using inappropriate comments that were racial, critical of one's sexual preference, and using and used degrading comments towards women. What are your initial thoughts? Oh, uh, the guy is nothing but scum. Scum. Like, first of all, first of all. When you deal with your players on a day-by-day basis and then you say those things, it's like slapping them in the face. Well, I would love that team to line up and each take one smack right in his face, each of them, because it's just it's just gross on, on what he's amounted to, and he'll never work in the NFL again. Oh, he'll never work again, period. I mean, he was doing this while he was with ESPN. So uh, I can't see, you know, again, that they're the ones that actually leaked the story before anybody else. Um, Alan, thanks for joining. Um, so I looked at it from a, a couple of different perspectives. And one of it obviously is him as a person and some of the things he said. Obviously, probably 70% of the league is African-American. Um, I'm sure most of his team's African-American. So that factor. He has one of, uh, I think, the only openly – um, gay player in the league currently on his team. So that was another factor. Right. I don't know what he has for children. I have two daughters. I would be disgusted if somebody, you know, violated or, or, or you know what I mean, decided they were going to put my daughter out there for everybody to see. So as a human being, disgusted. But I also want to look at the football side of it. He wasn't a very good coach. We can sit there and we can say that John Gruden's this offensive genius. Overall, he was barely over 500 as a coach. And this new stint with the Raiders, he was 22 and 31. So if you look at his record over the last four years, not very good. Well, we were talking about how he could could have gotten fired this year. Potentially, right? Even with the amount of money that they would have owed him. I mean, he didn't live up to the potential. He went 117 and 112 as a head coach in the NFL. He won one championship. That team was already set up for him by Tony Dungy, and he just walked yep. into it and basically won that championship. So I, I don't understand that part of it. So as a coach part, look, no big loss for the Raiders. Here's my biggest problem with this whole thing. How does the NFL at this point, justify the fact that it was an investigation against the Washington football team. And yet nothing's happened to the Washington football team to this point. Dan Snyder, 
who own that team and who owns that team. And we all know about everything that's been going on in that organization. This is just a piece of it. How is this man allowed to still own this team and that organization to still continue to function the same after this story? And the NFL released the additional 600 and something emails that they have. Right. right. And, and this is what a lot of sports writers and reporters uh, are talking about what they want to know. And I mean, it's, it's, it's terrible. It's a terrible situation. And again, the NFL keeps getting it wrong on the social part of the spectrum. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, business wise, we know they're, they're, they're top dogs, but socially they are inept. They do everything wrong. And this is another thing that, you know, it's like you said, it's the investigation in Washington. <laughs> That's so, the, so they, they have a list of people that should be out already. And they're not. They're not. It's a and boys club. And, and Snyder, you know damn well Snyder is. He's involved. Yeah. I, 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 would, I would put money on it. He's involved. He knew about these things going on. The, the worst story I've heard out of this thing was that they had the cheerleaders going down to some, I think it was a Mexican resort, having to post topless, and then they're forcing them to go to nightclubs with some of these, uh, yep, you know, yep. sponsors to, to try to get more money for the, for the team. He's involved in that. That's part of your business. Right. It has yeah. to, he has yeah. to be held accountable at this point. And the NFL is not going to do it. about it too. There's no way he doesn't yeah. know. Because the, the NFL one that's telling him. Yeah, the NFL is not going to do it because he's making them money, because yep. he's got connections in Washington, and he's going to skate on this. And it's it's as bad as John Gruden was, he's the fall guy in this thing because they had to do something right, because right. these stories got leaked. And you the know NFL, there's more than just one owner. Absolutely. So the NFL needs to to finally look at that, what, they, what they look at as from an in, image standpoint and not just about the financial piece because they're going to make money regardless. I can't see if Dan Snyder didn't own the Washington football team that the NFL is not going to make money on whoever takes over that organization. Yeah. I don't understand why they feel like they've got to protect some of those people. Yep. And it, it's, it, it's something that's coming more out in the open and then people are out in the open, you know, confident that that is the right decision that they're making. You know, by by going along with all this crap, with this racism, sexism, you know, uh, gender, you know, you name it, it, it's it's out there, it's out there, and and it's out in the open too. And now nobody cares if it's out in the open. Yeah. And then and then Mark Davis, the owner of the Raiders, is like, yeah, just ask the NFL; they got all the answers. Like he's not even taking responsibility for it, right? You right. know, they, they, there's no remorse in this whole thing. And it's just like, okay, well, let's see how far we can bury it. We got a fall guy. He got, he got, yeah, he, well, yeah. he didn't even get fired. He, got, he resigned. But we're going to, well, hopefully that's going to be the biggest story to get past this and, and move on. They've got to stop. Yeah, and yeah. the public has to honestly start to ask the question. Yes, we love the sport. But how long before you start to hold the NFL accountable for some of these actions? Yep, I agree. So we're going to move on to the NFL <laughs> and uh, we'll talk about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defeating 
the uh, Philadelphia Eagles on Thursday night, uh, 28 to 22 to improve the five and one on the season. Any thoughts about the game? Um, well, uh, um, again, surprised how close it was with the Eagles. Um, I don't know. This, this Bucks team looks pretty vulnerable. I mean, if, if the Patriots and, and the Eagles can almost win, so I, 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 the score itself, you you can't look at it as a whole because if you look at time of possession, Tampa Bay forty to twenty, so double the time, first downs twenty seven to sixteen, total yards three ninety nine to two thirteen. They held them to one hundred and thirteen yards passing. Right, so and that's the point. This secondary making. stinks. That's so the point I'm making. I, like I, it was that lopsided, but yet it was still close. <laughs> you know. I, I, like it shouldn't be like Tampa Bay should have run them out of the, their own yeah. building. Tampa's in trouble with the injuries. They really are. So uh, Richard Sermon went out last night. Uh, looks like a hamstring and usually hamstrings can last uh, a, a while. You know, yeah. Grunk yeah. hasn't been back since that hit. I know. So, you know, you know, they're starting to lose some pieces and that's what we said about them repeating. That might be the biggest hurdle to overcome is injuries. Like you can have all 22 starters return but if all 22 starters can't play each week because they hurt yeah, you start yeah. to run into a problem oh yeah, oh, yeah. it catches it up, with up with you uh speaking of nothing catching up with him how about father time and tom brady so two touchdowns yesterday 81 percent completion percentage antonio brown looks like uh you know his favorite target now fournette is looking like the running back that we expected him to be what do you think Tom Brady? Now they're talking fifty-five. I can't take it anymore. Now he might play at least fifty-five. I can't. And he had a busted thumb, right? He had a he had a bad thumb in this game, and he looked better than he he has all season. I don't I don't know what to do anymore with the, the man. He I defies, mean, he defies all logic. At some point, people people are going to start questioning things, <laughs> right? Like it doesn't make sense. He's and I'm not him. saying I'm not saying that you know he is or isn't doing anything special, you know, isn't taking some extra juice or anything. But at some point, people are going to start raising questions, and if something if something gets dug up, that is going to be a horrible, horrible day for NFL. They'll bury it. They'll bury it until he's retired. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm not accusing him. I think, you know, he's legit. <laughs> so um, I just don't want that to happen because that would be really bad. It would be like, you know, like Major League Baseball's best player, you know, getting accused of it. Yeah. So we'll have to see. I mean – he keeps defying logic. I, I, it just doesn't make sense. I know. He's, gonna throw, he's already look, thrown for more yards, they good. said, than any other 44 year old. Right? Yeah, he's still, he doesn't look just, 40s. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. He looks better now than he did when he got drafted. Yeah, he did. It, it's like, it makes no sense. So after the game, um, the Eagles made a move uh, trading Zach Ertz, the tight end, to the Arizona Cardinals for cornerback Tay Gowan and a 2022 fifth round draft pick. Do you it's think too this bad. Philadelphia love Ertz? Yes. 
Love Ertz. Uh, you've been waiting to say that all. <laughs> you've, had, you've had that one in the holster the yeah, entire I time. I knew I it. So if you uh, does this make the Arizona Cardinals still the front runners in the NFC? Yeah. Like <laughs> they're five and oh, they just got better. Yeah. So Max Williams was their tight ends currently. He had 16 receptions for 193 yards and a touchdown. Ertz is at 18 receptions, 189 yards, two touchdowns. But if you think about just the standpoint of how long he's played in the in the league and his knowledge and what he can bring to the table, plus they got Hopkins, A.J. Green. So, yeah, adding an Ertz who's, uh, a, you know, an all-pro tight end, More. that's that's really, really solid for that that team. Good I know they got – yeah, I know they got some injuries. Um, I don't think he'd be eligible this week, so I don't think we'd see him this week. It has to be next week since he already played this week. Yeah. So, but I'll tell you, this hurts one person. This hurts? Jalen. Uh, dude, he threw 113 yards. Yeah, now he doesn't have his tight end. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know. This is going to kill him. The poor guy uh, doesn't have any weapons now. All right, let's move on to um, the New England Patriots. So the two and three New England Patriots will host the four and one Dallas Cowboys this Sunday in Gillette Stadium. What are some of your keys to the game? Oh, <laughs> uh, let me see. Secondary has to be spotless. Um, the the defensive line has to be spotless. <laughs> uh, somebody's got to tackle. You know, Elliot and Pollock, so they don't get 300 yards in this game. No, maybe I, I, we have not covered the Steelers in Seattle yet. I, I, I don't know how they're going to stop this team. So I looked at it from a couple of standpoints. A, Dallas is averaging 34 points a game, New England 19. I, I, you know, again, we've, we've already talked about increase on the offense, but defensively we are fifth overall and fourth against the pass where new England has struggled is, is stopping the run. Obviously Dallas being second overall rushing the ball, that could be an issue. Cause if they can just keep us off the field, run the ball, you know, you're not going to have opportunities to score, but where this team can take advantage is passing the ball again. So this is another weak secondary 31st against the pass. So you can throw against this team. New England has to allow Mac Jones again, as we've discussed in previous games to throw the ball this time, you're not going to run the ball against this team. They're fifth best against the run. I mean, you keep them honest by, by handing off here and there. We don't but, have anybody to run the ball. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No running back to speak of the offensive line is just still, I think Shaq Mason may be back. We're not even 100% sure. So if I'm Bill Belichick, I'm Josh McDaniels, I'm I'm thinking of a very pass-heavy offense this week just to show this defense that, look, we're going to throw the ball. you got to stop it. And Diggs, who's their best cornerback, is a game-time decision. So he leads the league in interceptions. I think he's had an interception at all five games. If yes. he's not out there, that's even a, a bigger reason for New England to throw this ball and continue. Just sling it. Just sling it. 
because I don't trust the running backs at all anyway. So, I mean, we don't know if Damian Harris will be back. Ramon Stevenson, I mean, again, didn't didn't impress me last week. From what I hear, it's going to be Stevenson and Bolden, yeah, Bolden getting the load. Yeah. And that's – I just – that doesn't scare me no, at all. No. If I was a defense, I'm like, please do that. So, overall, I think uh, New England has a shot, which is crazy to say because Dallas has looked so good. And if you look at our top five, we actually have Dallas in, as one of our top five teams currently in the league. But I still think New England has a shot. The only thing I would say is this that baffles me is people are still comparing us to the old Patriots. And I haven't seen the Bill Belichick genius strategy yet. And they're like, oh, Belichick going against that. Listen, this team is not the team of the past. This team is what they are right now. They're learning. They're getting better. But I don't think they have enough players and uh, strategies to, to, to do what they did five, ten years ago. I think defensively they have enough of those players. I think defensively they they match up pretty well to anybody in the league as far as being able to to get those turnovers to cover you know a, a team team's uh, passing game you know to get some pass pass rush and you know they can do all those things. You know, just like most of the teams in the league, the problem is they gotta control the the game clock so that way that defense isn't out there too much. And because when you're out there too much, you, you're eventually gonna get burned. And we know that this team is susceptible to that. So they have to they have to come out. Everybody has to play their top game. Everybody from from you know, from guy number one to guy number 99, <laughs> you know, whatever numbers that they fall in there, I, I, with all the number changes, who knows? But no, here we go. We're not starting that argument again. <laughs> but what I'm saying is Hightower can't take a day off. No. Can't take a day off. No. Jamie you know? Collins got to continue to be an impact. Yes. So. Judon's so, Judon. I'm not worried about Judon, but I no, mean, up front. It's the big fellas. They've got to be able to stop the run. We know that right. Dallas wants to run the ball. And Ezekiel right. Elliott's third in the league in rushing. So so we uh, need Barmore, Guy, um, all these guys to step up and play a hell of a game. Yeah. They need to stay in their lanes. They need to stay disciplined. You can't get penalties against this team because this team will hurt you. For every penalty you get, they're going to they're gonna crush you with it. And they're going to smack them around with that penalty flag. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, week six is upon us. Uh, we just had a game last night. Which games are you looking forward to coming up uh, this week? So I got I got three really key games. And then I have three. Okay. All right. I didn't um, have the Steelers in Seattle, so I do apologize, Marinated. I don't oh, know. If I, do. I do. And I do. And I'll tell you why. I love um, it. But the three games that I'm looking at, uh, Bills-Titans, um, I ultimately think Bills are going to win this game and win it easily. But if the Titans win, then they're 4-2, and two, and so is Buffalo. So that, that tells you what the stake is. 
Uh, Vikings Panthers interests me, and I know the Vikings are two and three, but they haven't had an easy schedule, and they played some good teams out there. And you know, I think the Panthers could be right coming back down to earth. Yeah, because they they've lost two in a row now, so they they might be thinking differently. Sam Donald looked like. The Jets, Sam Donna last week. So, yes, we may be Yeah, back. and then the other – the third of the lower games that I'm looking at is the Packers and Bears, and I know the Bears are 3-2 and two, and the Packers are 4-1, and one, and if the Bears win, it's a tie, and then everything changes. Uh, it's probably not going to be that case. I think the Packers are going to run up the score, uh, and that's, that's going to put the Bears down to reality because uh, I – but it is something to look at. So those are those three games that, okay, you know, they're interesting for different reasons. Yeah. And then my my other three, starting with Seattle and Pittsburgh, look, these both these teams are two and three. Like this is this is a vital week for both of them. And Seattle cannot go to two and four in that division. Because you get buried in that division, you're not coming back from it. Yeah. And if they go down two or three games, they're not coming back from that. Not, not with Arizona five and zero and the Rams. You, you're not gonna you're not gonna recover from that. And then you probably miss the playoffs. And then Pittsburgh really look. They got a win right away, and then they lost three, and now. They seem to be putting things back together, but now they lost Juju. Yeah, done for the year. So now, now we got to see what this team can do to recover. Like we know Baltimore, what they're made out of. Yeah, they had all those injuries, and then they they you know what? We got you, we got you, and all those guys have stepped up, and they're playing amazing. They're playing amazing. But now we got to see what Pittsburgh is made of. You know, we got to see is Ben Roethlisberger going to survive the season? And he's got a he's got a now he's got a chance to even up that record for this year and right the ship for Pittsburgh. And I did pick Pittsburgh to win this division. So if you think about just from a veteran standpoint, I mean, he knows how to win. Look, they've right. been doing it for a long time in Pittsburgh. Um, you know, obviously with injuries and everything else that have played a factor all these years, and they still continue to have a winning record. But I, I think it is. It's a crucial game for both teams because depending <laughs> on who loses this game, realistically, your season could be over. Right. Because exactly. you've, you've dug yourself a big hole. Yeah. And, and you know, in this league where there's there's some of those teams that are, you know, the cream of the crop, it's harder for the like Pittsburgh has to worry about Cincinnati. Yeah, they have to worry about Cincinnati and Baltimore. You know, like Cleveland you, and, and Cleveland. So, so they're in a if very you don't good if you don't win this game, you're going to be in last place, <laughs> and you're going to be looking up at three teams that are playing well. So they have to win this game. Do I think they beat Seattle? No. But Ben needs this win 
big time or their season's pretty much over. You know, they have to – if they beat Seattle, that puts the league on notice, basically. And that makes Pittsburgh for real. And that can carry them through the season. And who knows what happens? Agreed. But that's what, what I think. All right. So I have – I got the Chargers, Ravens. So Chargers at Ravens. I just think that they're yep, both – I got that one. Right, four and one. <laughs> got to look at look. As much as I'm, I, I'm still not sure. Robin Hood, thanks for joining. Um, not sure about the charges. I want to believe in them. I, I continue to think that they're for real, but I also feel like they could be a 500 team. Like I, I don't know. It's just something about it. Till I see it more consistently. So that game's interesting because the Ravens are playing very good football right now. Look, we're high. I'll be the they're first one to admit that the Ravens. I thought we're going to fold this year because of those injuries. And it just was like one after another, yeah, right. after another. But was all, all three starting running backs. But running back and they still, yeah, here they are. This, this makes me think that this team can withstand almost anything except for a quarterback. Yeah. So my next game, Cardinals at Browns. Right. Right. And I'm more interested in the Browns than I am the Cardinals. Cardinals are undefeated. Yes, it'd be a nice story to see them continue to, to stay undefeated. But I feel like if the Browns lose this game, you're going to start to hear it. You're going to start to hear the Beckhams. You're going to start to hear, you know, the Mayfield and in and, and, and that, you know, just Beckham, disgruntledness. Beckham was a little guys. iffy this week. So it's coming. And I think if they don't win, their expectation was that they were going to win, right? They were going to be one of the top teams in the league. And every game that they've played against a top team, they've lost. Yeah. Here's your chance. If you win it, you're going in the right direction. You lose this game, I think it starts to dismantle this team a little bit and they start to fall apart. So when we did our NFL preview show, I had Arizona 15 and 2. This was their first loss on my list. Just saying. Okay. All right. I think some... Cleveland is going to win this game. All right. I've got uh, – I, I agreed with you on the Bills and the Titans. It's interesting for both teams because I Tennessee, to me, wins this game. They start to look like a legitimate contender again. They lose. Buffalo looks like the best team in AFC. So this is a big test for both teams. But my, my fourth game that I had of interest, Raiders at Broncos, and not because of the record. I want to see what happened with Vegas and how they respond to this Gruden situation. Is it going to hurt this team, or are they going to basically rally as a team and say, look, we need to stop winning. We need to make sure that we, we get this distraction off our plate and start to win some football games. They were 3-0. and Now they're 3-2. and you go three and three, lose three straight. What's that saying about your team? And the Broncos are right for the taking. I think the Broncos overachieved to begin the season, and they're falling right back down to where we thought they would be anyway. So there's no reason why the Raiders lose the team. Yeah, it there's no Denver. reason. Football, right? Yes, football. All right, let's talk. Uh, it's time for uh, Major League Baseball and the championship series. So we've got both series uh, starting Red Sox, Houston Astros start who? tonight. Wait, who? 
the Red Boston Red Sox and the Houston Astros. See, I told as a, you. As as a sports podcaster, look, I don't play sides. Okay, I just give the facts, the numbers. Oh my God, Mister Yankee over here. Okay, doesn't play listen, sides. Listen. Now he doesn't play sides. I'm, I'm rooting. I'm rooting for the Astros. Yes. Okay, so <laughs> Astros won the regular season, um, five games to two. But I started to look at some of the numbers. So Boston actually in the playoffs has had the best batting average at 328. Fifth overall in ERA, though, at 4.13, while the Astros were third in batting average at 288 and 463 ERA, so sixth. <sighs> Astros will not have one of their starting pitches as Lance McCullers <laughs> Jr. has already been left off the roster. We did a Facebook poll, 21 to 8 in favor of Boston to win the series. What do you think Boston needs to do to win this series? And what do you think Houston needs to do to win this series? Boston just needs to play in the moment. Look, they, they have players up and down that lineup that are accustomed to playoffs. And I know Houston does too. But with the Red Sox, they have guys that have won championships in other teams. And all these guys have come together, and I'll tell you, when it's crunch time, these they look good. They look good. They they do what they have to do. Devers, you know, Kiki, Kike Hernandez. I mean, come on, like that guy had a monster series against Tampa Bay, and you know, up and down that lineup, and even when they come in with a replacement, you know, for pinch pinch hitter or pinch runner. Something always happens that's good, it seems. Just like when Christian Vasquez came in, you know, late in that game, and then he ends up hitting the home run to win it. And you could almost you almost know it's going to happen. But this isn't the inexperienced Tampa Bay Rays that we're talking about. We're talking about the Houston Astros, who has a lot of experience as well. It's a five straight ALCS. Right for the, for the Astros, <laughs> so you're going to have that that experience factor kind of levels off, in my opinion. So now you got to look at okay, so how is the pitching set up? You know, and right now, I like that the Red Sox have Sale and then Ivaldi going in Game One and Two. Because that means that they're going to pitch at least one more time, you know, in this series if it goes, you know, past four games. <laughs> and look, I I love Ivaldi in the playoffs. Uh, like to me, he's that shilling that they they had. You know, that's what he is, and he just seems to have that magic. And. You know, and sale is sale. If you if you get the sale that we all know, then he could be dominating. We don't want how he pitched in, you know, against Tampa Bay because that was pretty bad. But I gotta feel I gotta I gotta believe that, you know, sale is going to be sale. You know, if he gets if they get him for two runs, that's good because the, the Red Sox can put up numbers. And I don't, I don't see the pitching staff squashing the Red Sox offense. So if Houston's going to win, they're going to have to put up numbers. And, and I don't see it in game one and two. 
I don't see it unless it's against the bullpen. So, so the way I look at it is, is one factor and that would be the manager. So Dusty Baker has not won any big games. Alex Carr seems to make all the right decisions. So, I mean, if, if I was going just on that stat alone, Boston wins this series. Um, I think by far Houston has a better team on paper, but again, that doesn't really factor in anything except for the fact that look, paper is paper and that's why they play the games. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see if which pitching staff could actually start to maybe improve from what they've done so far in the postseason. And I think whichever pitching staff does that, that gives them the advantage. Um, we will do our predictions and pick this series, uh, both series at the end of the show. Let's move on to the National League Championship Series, and that's the Atlanta Braves versus the LA uh, Los Angeles Dodgers. Dodgers won the series 4-2 in the regular season. Did you see Atlanta- Did you see the last at-bat? Yeah, that was horrible. Such a bad call. Like, I don't think it was a factor in the win. No, and I, I think uh, Gabe but- Kavler, who was the manager, even said, look, they we did a lot of things to lose that game. That was just one piece of it. Um, so it was pretty bad though, but it was a bad call. It, and it just, that goes to show the major league baseball too, with the instant replay, like that should be a review, reviewable play at that point. I don't understand how it wasn't like, if that's going to decide how the game ends, but, um, so the Braves, uh, batted two thirty four so far in the postseason, fifth overall one, five, four ERA though. Number one in baseball in the playoffs, two shutouts, only team. I think that, that, that had two shutouts, um, Dodgers bat 239, fourth, 187 ERA. They were second. Obviously, pitching is going to be the main factor in this series. Which bats do you feel more comfortable with? L.A. Right? So. Look, look. I mean, you just start with Mookie Betts. Look, we know in Boston what Mookie Betts can do, and it's playoff time. Mookie Betts rises to the occasion. And then they got other guys up and down that lineup that can do the same thing. Like, I don't think, I don't think LA will be quiet with the bat. I don't believe that. And and look, I love how Atlanta has played. And believe me, I want the Atlanta Braves to win. I want them to win. <sighs> I just don't see it. I just don't see it. I don't see there's any way that Atlanta can pull this out. Yeah, and again, I think the Dodgers are built for the playoffs. That's what they did. That's what they've continued to do with the players they've acquired. Um, You know, and again, even players that haven't played well, like Seager, ends up with a big hit uh, against the Giants. Like, it's just any given time in that lineup, there's somebody that can beat you. And that's what they've established. So it's one through nine, you you can easily win. When you have Max on the mound, I mean, is there anybody else you want out there? Yeah, yeah that, and I mean, yes. I mean, Max Scherzer, and, and again, he pitched. He got the save, and then he, he's going <laughs> to yeah. start game one. Oh, yeah. You know, how great is that? Imagine having that. Granddad, thanks for joining. Um, Let's talk about one more story in Major League Baseball, and that was the St. Louis Cardinals fired Mike, manager Mike Schultz on Thursday after going 90-72 and 72 this season and losing in the wild card game to the Dodgers. Schultz was described as being blindsided by the decision uh, of the organization. He was 252 and 199 in three-plus seasons with the team. Do you think the Cardinals made the right move? No. Like, how, how could you even have done this 
when, first of all, when you had three, four teams ahead of St. Louis, I believe it was Cincinnati, it was Philadelphia, it was San Diego, and even at the time, the Mets were ahead of them. St. Louis came from nowhere, stormed the league, and and made that wild card spot ahead yeah, of all four of those numbers. teams. Yeah, I think it was a 17th straight uh yeah, you. How do you fire a guy like that? If I'm if I'm the players for St. Louis, I'm I'm walking out. I'm walking and out. Just, and it was funny because they said, "Oh, the organization they have a difference of opinions," and obviously Schultz didn't see that because he was to his exact words were blindsided by this. So obviously he didn't feel like the same as the organization. It's it's kind of puzzling. No, it, uh, it was the, terrible. The run, the run they made, you would just assume that they were. You know what I mean? Ready to go, but I don't. I don't. I don't understand it. Um, I don't I think get they're it. Gonna regret it. I think they're going to regret it. Oh, once absolutely. Again, <laughs> once again, if you're joining us, we're live on Rhode Island Broadcasting. Ron, every Friday night at six p.m. on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Twitch, Rhode Island underscore Broadcasting. Follow, subscribe, send bits. We appreciate all the support. Follow us on social media at Sports Unfolded on Twitter and Facebook. Sports underscore Unfolded on Instagram at Broadcasting RI on Twitter. And you can listen to us so many ways on podcasts from Amazon, Anchor, Google, and Spotify. So just continue to watch, listen, appreciate um, all the support. Um, we love doing the show. So the more support we get, the more we can continue to do uh, some more shows. Let's talk now triple play time, my friend. And it's uh, it's an interesting run. So we've got three running backs that lead the NFL in yards so far this season. Which one would you start, bench, or cut? And the three players are Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb, and Ezekiel Elliott. You're up first, my friend, this week. Okay, so who I'm starting is easy. That's Derrick Henry. I'm starting Derrick Henry. Like, it's not even even up for debate. It's not. Uh, The problem is the other two guys (laughs) – I don't know who I still don't know who, so I'm gonna like little flip of the Oh look at that. And it lands on Ezekiel Elliott. So so Elliott will be on the bench. Because to me, I mean They were they were all pretty close. I mean, obviously uh, I think Derrick Henry definitely far exceeds the other two. Um six hundred forty yards rushing, seven touchdowns. The thing that got me was I was like, maybe we can – I'd be able to get him with the receptions. He actually leads these three in receptions as well. So 14 receptions for 125 yards. Yeah. So he's even doing it in the passing game. Yeah, I know. I went with Zeke at number two, and I just think he gives you more of an effect on the passing game. Nine receptions, 55 yeah. yards, and a touchdown. And then I was cutting Nick Chubb. Yeah. So, uh, so we had we, the same. We, we saw that one like. So that doesn't happen too often, but that was pretty good. And that was not an actual coin that I flipped, by the way. It was only a cough drop. Uh, all right. I like it. I like so it. So I was just saying, it's like, you know, Elliot was my choice, yeah, but the two it of was them. slim. Yeah, very, very, very close. Let's talk about some NHL, my hockey guy. So if you haven't had a chance to watch the hockey preview show that we did on Monday, check it out on Rhode Island Broadcasting or Sports Unfolded, YouTube. Great show. Great knowledge. The insight Ron gives you 
uh, on hockey and what he knows. He'll prove it to you. Just oh, watch that show. Stop. I know. Stop. I know. Stop. So check it out. You know what I mean? I guarantee you'll be hooked and he'll get you hooked on hockey. I started watching some hockey this week just based off of that, those conversations. Cause I thought it was, it was good. It's such I a watched, good show. Like I said, I watched the TNT thing and the NHL networks. Oh my God. Yeah. They're a mess. They're a so, mess. Let's talk about the Boston Bruins who have signed 23-year-old defenseman Charlie McAvoy to an eight-year contract extension for $76 million. Do you agree with the signing? Oh, my God, yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. Charlie McAvoy, look, he hasn't put up a, a bunch of points yet. He is so solid defensively. Even offensively, like he he has he's brilliant offensively, but it just hasn't you know fallen for him yet uh, offensively. But he is so vital to the Bruins, and that was one of the reasons why Chara could go because the growth of McAvoy was far beyond what what Chara could teach him anything else. Yeah, so he and, took over the number one yeah. role once Chara left. Um, yeah, five five goals, twenty five assists last season in fifty one games. That's pretty good. That's but pretty he good. Also, yeah, he also led the team in in minutes on the ice, uh, twenty four minutes a, ga- a game. So you look at the fact that he's on the <laughs> he's on the ice from majority of the game that they trust him. Finished fifth in the Norris Trophy voting last season as well. Mm. So obviously he's made an impact. Should have been second. So this is my question to you though. This is currently the biggest contract in Boston Bruins history. Do you think they overspent? No. Nope. Not at this point. Um, I I know the beginning of the contract. Uh, I believe it's like, I don't know, 9.5 for an average. Um, Right now, that seems like a hefty number for next year. But by the end of the contract, he's still going to be Charlie McAvoy and he's going to be grossly underpaid by then. All right. We'll have to see how it all works out eight years from now when we're still doing sports unfolded. We'll talk about it. That's right. So another player that signed was Ryan Pulak, uh, re-signed an eight year extension with the New York Islanders. Do you like that signing? I do as well. Um, they got him obviously a little cheaper. Goofy. Thanks for Uh, the, the bits. But again, what he means to the Islanders, it's like, you know, McAvoy. I think Pulak is maybe a, a little better offensively, not as good defensively, but it's only minute in both areas. So, again, you're getting a player, you know, that's going to be a high value this, you know, this coming year. But it's going to be so much worth it for them, and he's so young. They're so young. Yeah, so you know they were around. Like, they're going to get another contract before this is all said and done. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, absolutely. You know I mean? Again, I think lock up these young guys and then build around them. Um, so especially you, you know, defense. Like, and then look at it. The Islanders went to the Stanley Cup last year, right? So what are they yeah, saying? Yeah. Look, we want to be contenders for years to come. You know, you keep one of your top players. Right. In, you know, in the fold. So I thought that was a great move by the Islanders as well. So we did a Facebook poll, and uh, Alex Ovechkin, who uh, uh, scored two goals in the opener for the Capitals, 
And the question I had posted on on the Facebook. So if you're on Facebook, check it out at Sports Unfolded and vote. We've had a ton of votes that have come through, almost 400 votes so far. But can Ovechkin pass Gretzky to become the all-time uh, goals leader? And right now it's 224 for yes, 170 no. So do you think he can do it? Well, he needs some help with COVID <laughs> because ultimately if COVID keeps cutting seasons shorter, then chances are he might not because he needs, he needs to get full seasons in yeah. in order for him to do it because he's starting to run out of time. Like right now he's still, he's still complaining. He's 36 years old. His contract right. is he's got another four years. And I, I did this. He's averaging about 42 goals a season. Right. If he continued at that pace, he'd beat Gretzky by 10 goals after the four years. So it's right. not right. even like it's astronomical. Like he, he, he needs to basically, to your point, almost have full seasons and, and average 40 goals. Right. If he, if for the next four years, if he plays full seasons – and that's not even by his choice. Yeah. It could be by COVID choice. So, you know, injuries, you know, he has to he has to avoid all that. Now, 36 gets harder to avoid those injuries. And it's not – I'm not saying he's going to go out for like, you know, three, four months or something like right. that. It could be. I think he was questioning going injuries. into this game this week. He was questionable going into the game this week. They weren't right. sure he was going to uh, play this week. You know, those nagging injuries can put him out, you know, three, four games at a time, you know, and and all that, all that is, is how you don't do it. And, you know, father time has a way of catching up with you in, in the NHL. I mean, let's, let's be honest. It's, yeah. it, it, it's it's a grueling sport, especially when you add on those totals in playoffs, because those goals isn't counting the playoffs. Yeah. And he's played a lot of games yeah, you know, of for playoffs. So you're talking at probably another full season. So we're looking at a 37-year-old, really. So four years is not going to be an easy four years. And I mean, I think he can do it. He needs some luck. He, needs he some does. Luck. He needs some health luck. Yeah. So let's uh, move on to um, the NBA. So a couple of stories. Uh, obviously, our local team. So Marcus Smart has been suspended by the Boston Celtics for the next preseason game against the Miami Heat. Smart broke a team rule by missing a, a team flight. And uh, do you think, as a Celtics fan, we should be concerned? with this early behavior from Marcus Smart? Uh, I'm going to say no, because the coach has already nipped it in the bud. Um, like, he like he got suspended for a preseason game, which is kind of like giving a, a day off that they don't really need to have. Yeah. You know, like they don't need to play that game. But the question will be, that first game of the season, does he put him on the bench and keep him there for a while? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I think uh, I, I may uh, Yaduka made a, a smart decision to say, look, you, you're the longest ten tenured Celtic 
on this team. You know the team rules better than anybody else. And you know what I mean? You're supposed to be a leader. So, look, I'm going to – similar to what Bill Belichick used to do to Tom Brady in the film rooms when he used to scream at him about him making mistakes. And some of these players would be like, I can't believe he's yelling at Tom Brady. This is going to prove that this coach isn't going to play around. So yeah, exactly. I thought there was, was a great move for him. Listen, who knows why he missed a plane? It probably was a legitimate reason. I don't think it's that big a deal. But because they're a local team, figured we'd just cover it quick. Here's the biggest story in the NBA. And the Brooklyn Nets have decided that Kyrie Irving will no longer be a part of the team's plans moving forward. Kyrie has openly stated that he would not get uh, one of the COVID-19 shots. And the state of New York has mandated that anybody playing, practicing must be vaccinated or participate in any activities indoors, especially in, in the, those arenas. Right. Does and rightfully this, so. And I'm not going to, we're not going to debate the, the, should he get vaccinated, not get vaccinated. The question would be this though, does this hurt the Brooklyn Nets in their, their outlook to try to win a championship this season? I mean, it doesn't help. But I mean, look, you have Durant and Harden. I mean, come on. Like, you have arguably the two best players in the league. Uh, again, if this, they, I think if they stayed healthy, if Harden was healthy last season in the playoffs, I think they win that series. Yeah. I yeah. really do. And I think him being out, plus Kyrie being out, that's what ended up Durant was asked to do too much. Right. If they could keep Harden healthy, look, at the end of the day, He's he said he's not retiring, Kyrie. I think he gets picked up next year. The Brooklyn Nets uh, have already said that they're, they're not going to re-sign him. He'll go somewhere. Yeah. The question you have to be is always is his loyalty to the team and to basketball. And I'm not saying, look, I'm not gonna. I'm again, I'm not gonna argue if he's. You don't want to get the vaccine. That's your decision. That's your right. But what I would say is this. If you're trying to win those championships and you're putting those chips in and you went to Brooklyn for that reason, you got to start to question where his loyalty lies anymore if it's even with basketball. It's obviously not his number one priority. Look, I, I think I think he's not getting the vaccination isn't because he believes that the vaccination, you know, isn't what he should be doing. It's more to go against the rules of of what's out there for like New York and the team. And, and I think it's more about that. And it's more about himself just trying to stick it to somebody all the time. And I think that's what it is. It has nothing to do with him believing that, you know, the vaccination isn't, you know, right. Yeah. It's and more along the line just to stick it to somebody. That's what that's what Kyrie's all about. That's what he's always been about. And nothing is going to change that. I see I see Brooklyn trading him somewhere for, you know, another player and just filling that spot up. I think he's gonna yeah. be out. Yeah, I don't I don't I can't see this working out in anyone's favor at this point for the team or him. He's going to get traded to somewhere yeah. in Texas because yeah, he they can, don't, they don't have the same rules. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's time for our pick and, pick and roll, baby. Pick and roll. Dallas Mavericks, you know, pick and roll. So show number 35, and we've done this a few times now, a little different this time though. We're going to do the top 35 
in Major League Baseball history. So just in baseball. And I, what Wait, I try to do is – Top 35 say, players all time? No. Top number one, number 35. Who oh, won number okay. 35. If you want to do 35 players, we got some time. No. <laughs> so I looked at it this way. I tried to get guys who were, were predominantly number 35. Not at some point in their career, they wore number 35. So they played a season, one season at number 35. So they predominantly want number 35. So no Five Yogi Berra. No Yogi Berra. That's why. So if people start to question why he only wore for one year um, and it wasn't for very long. Ricky Henderson. Frank Thomas, Justin Verlander, Yogi Berra, and Joe Morgan. Wait, You're up first. No. No, Joe Morgan's out. Mike Mussina. Sorry. And no Yogi Berra. <laughs> so read the list again. Read the list that was, again. All right. Here we go. So it is Mike Mussina, Frank Thomas, Phil Necro, Justin Verlander, and Ricky Henderson. Are okay. Now I get the right list. All right. Uh, I yeah, forgot to change that in my at the beginning. You're up first, my friend. I'm up first. Okay. Uh, five and four were pretty easy. Number five is Phil Negro. Uh, yeah, he had, he was a five-time All-Star, you know, I believe five-time Gold Glover. Yeah, five times. Yeah, that's about it. That's what? it. Three, 318 wins. Yeah, he had 318 wins. There was those. 3,342 but... strikeouts. Yeah, I know. Come I on. got it. All right, go ahead. I got it. Eyeball test. He's number five. Okay. And even if it wasn't the eyeball test, he'd still be number five. All right. Number four, Mike Mussina. Loved Mike Mussina as a pitcher when he played for Baltimore. I mean, yeah, didn't like him <laughs> so much as when, Once he started play, pitching for the Yankees, it was a different game. Okay, five All-Stars, seven gold gloves. Never led the league in anything ever. So I put him at number four. Okay. And I like the guy. That's fair. So this is where it starts getting good. I have, surprisingly, at number three, Frank Thomas. Frank Thomas, two MVPs, four Silver Sluggers, five-time All-Star. Uh, I believe he won a batting title. He did win a batting title, yep. Um, I mean, look, this guy... It's a Hall of Fame of 562 home runs, was it? 521. 521. I knew it was in the fives. Uh, he's a great player. Mm -hmm. He's a great player. But number three. Okay. Number two, Justin Verlander. And I know Verlander, this is why he's going to be your number one, because he got the triple crown in, in pitching. That's why you have him at number one. <laughs> One MVP, won a Rookie of the Year, has a World Series win, eight-time All-Star, two Cy Young Awards, mm -hmm. the wins, the just the grit that he shows on the mound, yeah. everything, everything about him oozes winning. He I'm is, good. he is fantastic, fantastic, and it is not easy for a pitcher to win MVP. Not easy. No, not at all. Number one, I went with Ricky Henderson. One MVP, two World Series titles. Three Silver Sluggers, one Gold Glove, ten All-Star games. But then there was those 1,400-plus stolen, 
stolen yeah. bases that made a difference. Yes, made such a difference in every single game he played. Now, you just look at that and say, "All right, I'd still take Justin Verlander," but those fourteen hundred and six stolen bases, no one ever has eclipsed a thousand except for him. The nearest is Lou Brock with 938. <laughs> it will never it will be beat. Never be beat. Never. That stolen base record will last another 50, 60, 70, 80 years from now. The closest anybody got, you know, modern times, Kenny Lofton, like 622. Yeah, like it's, it's never going to happen again. So he changed, he changed the game and made stolen bases such a weapon yep. that even though they knew he was going to try to steal, they couldn't still stop couldn't stop him. No. And that is why he's number one. I like it. Good job. Good job. All right. Now let me give you the real list. Not the real list. All right. And number five, Mike Mussina. Yeah. 270, 153, 3.68 ERA, 200, uh, 2,813 strikeouts. You already mentioned the, the five All Star 7 Gold Gloves. Never won anything. Never won a World right, Series. Right. Um, solid pitcher, but never really did it. At right. number four, Frank Thomas. <laughs> 301 batting average, great. 2,468 hits, 521 home runs. <laughs> 1704 RBIs. You said all the numbers. Again, never won anything. I could not bypass at three Phil Necro and those strikeouts of 3,342 strikeouts. I don't know how you let that just slide by because the other guys on here don't have as many strikeouts. Nope. But I went Phil Necro. Phil Necro is a knuckleballer. He could pitch like a million innings. 318 wins, man. He, he put in his. How many, yeah, losses? How many losses? 274. Hmm. Bailey 500. Nah, here we go. Bailey 500. Bailey and 3.35 ERA. Not bad. Not bad at all. A what? 3.35 ERA. He's not ahead of Frank Thomas. I'm sorry. He's ahead of Frank Thomas. There's no way. At number two, Justin Verlander. So oh, I agree so you with you. Oh, you did agree with Ricky me. Henderson, how do you not with those stolen bases? You can't. And you think about this. He probably would have had more RBIs, but he was a leadoff guy. Oh, yeah, so I know. He the RBIs. So he's got 1,115 RBIs. And I, yeah. I was thinking about it. I'm like, oh, that's eh. But then I said, he's a leadoff. So he used right. to get on base, steal the base, and then they would bring him in. Steal two bases. Right, two bases. <laughs> he would steal third. He'd go, steal home. Ten-time All-Star. Two-time World Series, one-time MVP. Ricky Henderson, number one. Verlander, two, though. And a, a very solid number two. His, oh my God, his God. numbers are very impressive. And you, to your point, the grit, the clutch in the playoffs, Justin Verlander. Yep. It's face-off time. And I'm not sure if you saw the play last night between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers where the Philadelphia Eagles ended up getting a 15-yard penalty for taunting. Yep, I saw it. So the question tonight is, should the NFL remove the rule, the taunting rule from its rule book? 
So you're first tonight. You get to pick which way you're arguing. I could argue either way, to be honest with you. But I will say they shouldn't ban, remove ban it. Ban the damn rule. Snossages called it. Snossages. Snossages. Bring back the Dion standard days. <laughs> LOL. <laughs> <laughs> scroll. scroll. I, I'm going to say that they should not ban the rule. Should not ban the rule. So, all right. Whenever you're ready, go ahead. You stop. So... The rule is there for a reason, and I do agree with the rule. <coughs> the only problem is it is too wide of a spectrum. First of all, that guy was just standing there, and he gets up, bumps into him, makes it look like, you know, a big deal, and they flagged him. Well, it was just total BS. That should not have been a taunting penalty. And unless it's egregious, like, you know, walking up to somebody and doing it right into their face, I think it should be. So they I listen, think it should be in. in no, no. Yeah. they're trying to justify this thing. They're trying to say, look, he said something as well. These guys talk the entire game. Yeah, These I know guys that. are chirping at each other the entire game. And until a punch is thrown to me, that's the only time a flag should be thrown. It makes no sense that you can't recognize yourself when you make a nice play. If the guy gets up and he wants to punch you in the mouth because he feels like you're taunting him, then that guy gets a penalty for it. Because I guarantee you when he burns him for a touchdown and they're waving bye-bye or they're putting their finger in the air or doing a little dance in the end zone, how's that any more acceptable at that point? You're embarrassing the guy you just beat. And it's okay for them to do that, but it's not okay for a defensive player to stand over a guy and flex. Or to say something, they need well, to get rid of this rule. I, I, don't, agree no that, I, don't, I don't agree, don't agree that, they that they should stand over them. Over. They I should don't. not do that. Right. Because Sausage that works, it works it. both Look, ways. It works Sausage both ways. Jumps at it. Every time AB catches a pass, <laughs> he gets up and he flexes. Or he'll he'll put his hand out, drop the ball, make a make some kind of first down motion or something yeah, else. And that is away from a player. It is just, you know, doing he their about thing. His face. It's okay. They've got to change it if because it's the rule makes no face, sense. If it's in their face, it deserves a penalty. But they don't call it offensively. When yes, an offensive guy celebrates, they don't call it as much. No, not a celebration when it's a taunt. Like, And you consider that a taunt, what that guy did yesterday? No. But yet no. it's a 15-yard penalty for taunting. No, because it, it shouldn't over. have been. That's what I'm saying. It, it's too broad of a spectrum. You know, at some point you have to let players play, but there should be a taunting rule in effect. Like if you if you tackle somebody and then you stand over their body and then you're like pointing at his face and stuff like that, that is unacceptable. That's unacceptable. But if you tackle somebody and you and they do it all the time and then they go and they do their little yeah, and Judon with the, you know, that's acceptable. You're not standing over the guy's body. That's different. So, because it's the same I mean, celebration, it's, it's, it's just it just has to be. It has to be, you know, extreme in my opinion. It can't I mean, be such a general. If you, you physically know, con contact have contact with a player, it's a taunt. <laughs> 
If you right. physically bump a guy, you're standing <laughs> over a guy. But it was point. the offensive player that right. came up and got, bumped got him. Up. So to me, they've got to change the actual rule itself to 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 say, look, because if these guys can do the first down moves and and dance in the end zone when right. they score, I agree with that. After they beat a defensive back, to me, that's just as demoralizing. You just got beat as a defensive right. back, and, and you're and basically thrown in my face. You still have to have the taunting penalty in there it just can't be those stupid little plays like yesterday so clearly i want anything you did not win because i I clearly i clearly made the right point and you even agreed with it face off i want it thank you as usual no sausages sausages right by my side he knew great calls so let's let's move on to our predictions my friend and i won last week two to one let's go I'm back in, back in the winning column again. Wait, wait, who, what games did you win? Oh, now you're asking me to remember. I don't remember. All right, so you, you won the Red Sox remember. one. That was it. That's the one that mattered. Yeah, okay. I so, told you, look, last week I told you I went with all yeah. the visiting teams. I, I knew I was going to get clobbered. I, you, yeah, excuse after excuse. And it's it was only my, by one. My sports knowledge is better than yours. Oh, my Lord. Here okay. we go. Let's go ALCS, Boston versus Houston. Let me guess where you're going here. Cowboys over Pats. Wow, strong. You're hurting my feelings. What do you got? I'm going with Boston because they're pitching no a way. setup right. No way. They're pitching a setup right. <laughs> DC for life. Okay. All right. He's a Cowboys fan. I'm going Houston. Better team. More experience. They'll lose in the World Series, though, because the National League is going to win, whoever. Dodgers versus Braves and LCS. I don't know who's pitching the first game, um, so uh, so that series. matters. But actually, it's it really doesn't matter. It's going to be L.A. Dodgers. All right. So we agree on that one, my friend. Riding the coattails of Sunday night, uh, Sunday football, Chargers at Ravens. Mm. Tough game, my friend. That's a tough one. It is a tough one. And it is in Baltimore. I'm going to go with the Ravens. I'm going to say the Chargers are for real. They win that game. Oh, my God. You just said the opposite. You're just picking them because I picked the Ravens. (laughs) Is that what you think? Dallas at New England. This, uh, I can't even can't even say it. <laughs> You're picking against New England. I'm is. picking. I'm picking Dallas. All right. I'm going New England because I yes. I just I can't not. Even though I don't think they're going to win that game, I can't pick against them. I and am. Pick, and we got one college game every week. First half, a second half. Ravens. Good call, strong. We don't know. That's why I'm going Chargers. They've been more consistent. This Saturday, <laughs> tomorrow night, number 11, Kentucky at number one, Georgia. Georgia just became the number one team in the country. I'm going Georgia. Georgia. And I think you have to. The only thing is, can, will Georgia have a letdown because they became the number one team? Sometimes that pressure. I don't think so in this matchup. But I'm going Georgia as well. All right, my friend. So once again, if you join us, we're live on Rhode Island Broadcasting. We're on every Friday night at 6 p.m. on Facebook, YouTube, 
and Twitch. We've got a lot of Twitch followers. So Rhode Island broadcast, Rhode Island underscore broadcasting. So RI underscore broadcasting. Follow us on social media at Sports Unfolded on Twitter and Facebook. Sports underscore unfolded on Instagram. You can follow uh, Rhode Island Broadcasting on Twitter at Broadcasting RI. And you can listen to us on podcasts across many different uh, formats, Anchor, Amazon, Google, and Spotify. So, so many different ways to listen and watch. So, appreciate everybody out there that has been watching and listening. As we do every show, we end it with our final thoughts. And our final thought doesn't necessarily have to be about anything sports-related. It could be about anything going on in the world today. Ron, your final thought. You're up first. So, my final thought, I'm going to touch a little bit on the Gruden situation. Um, unfortunately, this country right now, it's political and social segments are so out of whack on what is going on that it's creating more and more problems every day. Now, it seemed, I don't know, it doesn't, it doesn't even seem like that long ago, maybe like eight years or so, things were improving with racial you know, and, and preferences and, and the whole bit. Now we're right back to where we were in the sixties. And it's, it's quite appalling that this country still sees these differences in people and uses it against them. And we see it all the time in sports more so now like lately you know with the abuse with the the favoring of you know hiring white coaches and and administration and stuff and it's just getting out of hand and they're becoming open and honest about it they're not even hiding it mm -hmm. anymore and it's really appalling and i think the people the everyday people really need to start taking a look at what's going on and stop hiding behind, you know, a group of, you know, maybe politicians or a group, you know, like your team, like your favorite team or something. Stop hiding behind that and tell your team, tell your politicians and everybody else in between that is doing this stuff to stop i mean we just we just need to be decent human beings to each other and we're not doing it no great point ron great great point and it's a very sensitive point but you know it needs that we need to start looking at each other in the mirror and start to really judge what we believe is right and wrong and realize that look we're all humans and believe the same way so uh, great point uh my final thought not as on a as serious note but i wanted to commend a player that we probably don't talk about enough because I, I just don't think the league gets enough exposure. And that's the Diana Taurasi in the WNBA. So she's played for the, the Phoenix Mercury for 17 years and they're in the finals right now. And they just won game two in her clutch shooting in the overtime and what she was able to do. At, you know, think about her extensive time in the league, what she did in college that a lot of these players play overseas during the off season because they need to make money. We've, we're witnessing a great player that most people wouldn't even realize how good she is because 
that league doesn't get enough exposure. So if you have time, watch watch a WNBA game. Watch Diana Taurasi. Better basketball. They're so – right? You think about from a passing standpoint, shooting standpoint, team-oriented standpoint, they're very, very much different, right? UConn, that's right. She came from UConn. Uh, in that great program of what, he, uh, you know, they've been able to build with these female basketball players, but we need to start to enjoy some of the WNBA. I think the NBA should promote it more because I think they've got a product on there that with some great players that the world doesn't even know about. This reverts back to what I just exactly. said. Exactly. You know, and pay them better um, because they're not making enough money. Um, but uh, Diana Taurasi, I, I wish you well in the finals. Um, again, I think game three is tomorrow night, but, uh, if you haven't seen it, check it out, Ron, watch it. episode 35 in the books, my friend, great show. Appreciate your time. Fans out there that have watched live, especially on our Twitch. You guys have been amazing tonight. Strong snossages. Thanks for joining us again. We haven't seen you in a couple weeks, so we'll get back. Uh, we got to get our boy cooling back on. We haven't seen him in a while too, since these Colts haven't been doing so well. So I know he's out there. So <laughs> at least we know why. Right? Come on, chime in. It's all right. So I went back to my college with the heads, right? Yes. So uh, thank you again, Ron. Great show. Fans out there, you guys have a great night. Appreciate you. Take care, everybody. <laughs>